I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. All right, here we go. It's a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McAdoo with you. And uh, here we go. I, I, I said, look, and, and full disclosure, we're recording this on Thursday morning. I said to Sean here in the uh, the kind of the, uh, the prep room, let's check back in 12 hours from now. Mm-hmm. Are you up for a post-Game 5 athletic updated segment if we can reconnect tonight? And, and Not, uh, just, well, you know what? It's bonus episode. It's going to depend how it goes because, boy, the the vibes around the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be very, very different 12 or so hours from now, uh, one way or another. It'll, it'll or either so. be the, the, the monkey will be off the back, the dragon will be slayed, all of that stuff, or it's going to be right back to here we go again, going back into Tampa, got a game six. Oh, my gosh, we can't do a game seven and uh, on on down that road, so... We will see. Can I give you my outsiders? Like, I obviously have no uh, emotional stake in this series. I feel like I can come at this from a very objective angle. I would love a neutral point of view, yes. Okay, so here's what I think is going to happen. Mm -hmm. 
I think Tampa Bay is going to win game five. And I don't know if it'll be in kind of a, you know, like a 4-1. I feel like Tampa Bay is going to win game five. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like game six is going to be a seesaw affair that's going to play with your nerves and your emotion. And then Toronto is going to win in overtime. I think they're going to play. I think it's too easy. You know this as a Maple Leafs fan. Oh, yeah. It's too it, – it, you have to look at what is the law of maximum stress. Like, you can't just win in game five, four to one, Toronto wins, and off we go. It, it, it can't be that easy. So you, you I think, think they so. lose game five. They have a they have a moment where they kind of let game six slip through their fingers. They make you think, oh my God, here we go again. And then Michael Bunting with the game six wow. series clinching overtime okay. winner. That's what I that's what I'm feeling right now. I I, I love the uh I, I love the drama and I love the result. I I hate I hate the journey you're taking me on there. That's uh that's no fun. But you're right. I mean, why would we think it's gonna be easy? I uh, this this is something I f- I flagged um, two years ago because a lot of this is you know people who've been listening to us from the start remember the conversation we had two years ago when it was Montreal and the Leafs yep. were up three to one and that was the infamous <laughs> podcast where I laid out exactly what was going to happen yeah uh, in a series where everybody was already looking ahead to uh, to the next matchup and and the the stat that I flagged back then is that since I want to say 1963, there was a series that the Leafs won in five games. And since then, they have won one seven-game playoff series in less than six games. One. And that was against Ottawa. 50 years. That was the sweep against Ottawa, which means they have the Leafs have not won a series in five games in 50 years. They have won more Stanley Cups and I'm saying 50 years, it's 60 years. They've won more Stanley years, Cups exactly, yeah. in the last 60 years than they have won short and sweet, easy, stress-free series. And their whole thing is they don't win Stanley Cups. That's their whole trademark. And <laughs> yeah, they do this even less. More, more efficient. They're more efficient at winning Stanley Cups than they are in winning series in five You started watching hockey fewer. in 1963. Yeah. You've seen the Toronto Jeez. Maple Leafs win more Stanley Cups than you have seen them just win a nice stress-free playoff series. It's always six or seven games. Every one that they've won, they've lost some short ones. They don't win them that quick. <laughs> That's, that so, is a crazy stat. It's wild, right? And uh, But here we are, and they've earned it. I mean, you know, it, it, to the extent that you earn anything in the playoffs where, you know, little little plays and bounces and calls and all of that stuff can, can determine everything. Um, Tampa has still been the better team for very long stretches uh, of of certainly the two games in Tampa. the The last time we did the show, it was one nothing Tampa. They, you know, there'd been the blowout. Um, that night, the Leafs go out. Great response game on home ice. Uh, exactly what they needed. Those two games in Tampa. I mean, look, Tampa was the better team in Game Three. The Leafs kind of stole one. Tampa was the better team for first half of Game Four, and then you know the Leafs sort of tilted the ice going the other way and then you know they were in that comeback but now i mean this is this is not a 3-1 series where you're looking at going yeah man one one team is just speed back and the other ones i mean this this one yeah. feels like it's uh, they need a miracle this is it's still tampa it's still god i've hated every 
for the last 72 hours, every mention of Andre Vasilevsky and how much he is struggling. I mean, we all see the shutout coming tonight, right? Like, I mean, you you absolutely could see that uh, that happening. Uh, there's a million ways it could go wrong. But to their credit, they've at least positioned themselves where a few of those million things could actually happen without uh, uh, without necessarily costing them the series. Now, you talked about how you kind of saw the future a couple of years ago. I want to take our listeners. I think our, our producer, Danielle, has this clip available, I think. We don't have to go back two years. we got to go back one week. And remember, when we had this conversation last Thursday, Toronto Maple Leafs, like you said, they were down one nothing in the series. They got uh, smoked in game one, gave up a seven spot. This is, right. remember, here we go. Here, This is from last week. I mean, we, yeah. we could be talking next week. The series could be over. Tampa could have swept for- this series for nothing. And it's done, I think. Would game four, yeah, game four would be, uh, would have already been Monday. in the books. Yeah, Monday's game four. And we could be talking about a sweep and we could be talking about, you know, by, by that point, Dubas and Keefe and everyone are probably already fired. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I, that wouldn't shock anyone. We could be talking about the Leafs being up 3 1 because they, you know, they, they flipped it back and we're all having a laugh. Hey, remember we all panicked after game one? Wasn't that silly? All right. So, th- see, so do you trust my, my vision here, my ability, that, that's why I'm telling you, I feel like maybe we can, yeah. we can play this out. Toronto loses game five, Toronto wins game six, Michael Bunting series clinching overtime goal. I love how people go back and, and actually listen to the show last week. We, we discussed like every possible <laughs> yeah, scenario exactly. that could have happened. And then we picked the one where it was yeah, like, hey, one. look, well, what can it, you say, it, man? We're one. just, we're just yeah. good at this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, the Michael Bunting comeback would be would be something, and uh, boy, there'd be there'd be nobody happier than uh, Leaf fans, Michael Bunting, and Michael Bunting's agent because yeah, oh my god, talk about going from number one on some of the free agency lists to a healthy scratch tonight. We're told, at least as of Thursday morning, is a plan uh, that they are choosing to hold him out. Um, boy, it's it's been, I mean, it's it's been a fascinating series. Um, as as just about every first round series is that's that's the yeah. beauty of it. You dive deep into any series in in the NHL, especially in the first round, and you just get so many little storylines and and things happening. Um, I tell you, man, and and look, I I wrote a piece very tongue in cheek after the big comeback on uh, Monday night, and uh, but but one thing I said in that piece that was very serious: there is not a Maple Leafs fan alive who thinks this is over. Yeah, there no, is I not. Did. Yeah. One Maple Leaf fan out there. I know fans of other teams. I know you love to, you know, we'll plan the parade. Here we go. Leafs think they've got yeah. it wrapped in. There is not one real Leaf fan who feels, you know, even remotely confident that they're going to win tonight. Now, you're happy that the way the series is going and there's things going on that are making you think, all right, they they have learned a few lessons and, they're you know, this is very obviously setting up well. Um but there's not one Leaf fan who's like, you know what? I, f- I feel really good about tonight. I'm I'm looking forward to the. I'm going to sit down and and really enjoy this. We're all just waiting for that other shoe to drop, and we're going to be waiting for it right up until it doesn't happen and the final buzzer goes off. And even then, we're going to have one eye on the the replay booth uh, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I gotta ask you one one other thought here on the Leafs, and 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 look, they they have a a great energy outside the arena. Home games or road games, Maple Leaf Square, thousands of fans cram in. I want to ask you this question. I want to ask this question to the listeners too, because I, I, I don't know. 
like if you look at the age demographic of the people at those gay at the outdoor parties, it's like it, the people in their twenties, right? Like this mm. is a it skews younger. But here's my question: If you're a diehard, huge fan of a team, are you going to a watch party? Because I gotta be honest with you, I'm the kind of guy, and people know this. I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, and maybe that's mm -hmm. why I relate to you as a Maple Leafs fan. Is that I, I understand your pain and the frustration and all that stuff, but I would much rather be watching meaningful games, important games, curled up in the fetal position in yeah. my own living room than in being. I don't want to be around ten thousand. I feel like these people aren't diehard fans but i but i don't know how to i don't yeah. know how to i don't want to paint everybody with one brush i just feel like the really big fans don't want to go to a watch party it's it's a different Is attitude. That right? I, i'm with you yeah you would never get me it like it's it's tough to get me to go and watch a game with like two people uh you know like <laughs> literally if you were like sean why don't you come over and watch the leaf game tonight no no thank you uh i'll be you know downstairs watch it on my own uh all of that stuff I, I'm not, I'm not going to a, a party with ten people, let alone ten thousand. Stand around, and you know, I don't. Uh, misery loves company sometimes, and and certainly when the game goes well, wow, what a great environment! I mean, that would be that would be awesome. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best nights of my life was the it, the second night that the Blue Jays won the World Series. I was at my buddy's house. Um, we weren't at the game, but said, you know what? Let's just jump in the car and head downtown Toronto. And just see the chaos that's going on and just be part of it. It was awesome. I mean, it would be something like that. Um, that would be great. I'm not doing it during the game, though. There's uh, there's no chance. If, if you do, I'm not saying you're not a real fan, but you're, you're cut from a different stock than I am. Let's put it that way. Okay, let me let me throw this scenario. I don't want this scenario oh, to no. play out. I don't oh, no. want this to play out for you. Because, oh, boy. again, I, I understand what you've been through with this team for, for decades. If there's a Game 7 Toronto-Tampa, Mm -hmm. I think you need to change the karma, change the mojo, whatever you've been doing for 30 some odd years hasn't worked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think you and I need to get together to watch no. that. I will. Look, Hard here's no. the thing. I'm going to invite you. Immediately. To my, no. just, you, just you and I. Yeah. Nobody else. No other mm -hmm. people. You yeah. change up the karma. You live a 10 minute walk from my house. This isn't a weird request. Yeah. Around the corner, you change up the mojo. And then, you and then what it happens? And, and do you watch the game or do you watch me watch the game? Do you just sit there? You see that I'm live blogging for The Athletic. Uh, yeah, nope, exactly. No, no. With, with the phone out and this is, <laughs> wait a second. Are you, why do you have your podcast, Mike? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Uh, Listen, I'm throwing what? it out there as an That's, option. If I you feel like you need the, to change, change the mojo. The invitation, man. I tell you, it's, it's going to be fascinating if there, if if it did come to a game seven, um, because the 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 mood will be obviously there'll be a lot of doom and gloom and everything, but I do feel like there's going to be a certain segment of the Leaf fans if it came to a game seven that are like, you know what, let's go, let's why not? Why wouldn't it be game seven? Okay, we're ready to go again. We're ready to get hurt again. Um, you know, we don't. You can't hurt us anymore. Let's let's see what happens. And then of course the hockey gods would come up with a new way to to torture yeah. us, but. Yeah, you can't hurt um, us anymore. Boy, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm out of the prediction business on this one. Um, I've already, I picked Tampa to win the series in five. Was it a 
Was that a real prediction or was I was I working a little reverse jinx? Reverse jinxy. No comment whatsoever, but I'm already wrong on my prediction, so I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to watch and I'm going to do it alone and uh, in okay. probably in the dark. Okay. I love it. I love it. All right. So look, the Toronto Tampa has become obviously the Maple Leafs coming back from 4-1. That, that, that to me was one of the great stories uh, we've seen in the first round coming back from 4-1. But is there a better story in hockey right now, Sean, than the Seattle Kraken? Here's this upstart kind of underdog expansion team in year number two, taking on the defending Stanley Cup champions. And uh, raise your hand if you even knew how to pronounce Ty Cartier's name before yesterday. If you had just uh, seen the name, you'd be like, who's that? Guy, kids comes in, scores uh, in his first ever NHL game, makes a Stanley Cup uh, playoff debut to remember. And the Seattle Kraken have pushed the Avs to the brink of elimination, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd be uttering, but here we are. Like, I, I think that's the best story of round one of the playoffs, the Seattle Kraken. Did not, did not see it coming. You talk about wrong predictions. I had Colorado in four. That was my prediction there. So um, it's uh, it's it's fantastic. And you're right. Like, um, you, you, you never want to, you know, we're, we're a week and a half into the playoffs. You never want to start getting into Team of Destiny and all of this nonsense. But when you have your best player or at the very least your leading goal scorer gets taken out of the series on a cheap hit. Yeah. And you're sitting, oh boy, we just had 40 goals out of our lineup and you drop this kid that no one's ever heard of into the lineup and he goes out and scores a goal. Boy, you got to feel like there's there's something clicking here. And I did not see this coming at all. It, in In any facet of it, I looked at this matchup and I went, hey, man, fantastic season for Seattle. Awesome that their fans are going to get a taste of the playoffs. Um, but they don't have the goaltending. They don't have the special teams. It's, you know, Colorado's been kind of cruising through the season. There, there's there's no way. And it's it's full measure. And it's not even, you know, it's it's not like they're fluking their way to it. It's not like they're just getting crazy hot goaltending or all the bounces are going one way. They're They're going punch for punch with the champs. Yeah. Um, and they're they're earning it and it's it's going to be boy that game 6 in Seattle is going to be uh something else and um uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure not writing off the abs uh in any sense but um boy that's uh, it, it it's a great story there and and it's and it's awesome for for the NHL and for Seattle because I mean this is how you get new fans hooked in in a new market right I mean you can yeah. do all the ads and all the fun and have the mascot and all that cute stuff this is how you get people. This is how you make new hockey fans. Is you you show them something like this, and uh, I I got to imagine there's uh, there's some people getting hooked right now. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be off the charts uh, Friday night for that uh, that game at Climate Pledge, and I'm thinking it's also going to be pretty pretty rowdy in in South Florida as the Panthers on Wednesday night. Sergei Bobrovsky, a 44 save vintage Bob performance. Staves off elimination. Matt Kachuk takes advantage of the Linus Allmark uh, misplay in OT. And I'm thinking back and I'm like, man, Sergei Poprovsky, where have we seen this before? Where he stares down a team that just set the record for wins in a season. Like, oh yeah, 2019. The mm -hmm. guy did that. Like, ironically, that's kind of what earned him this deal with, uh, with the Panthers, yep. which he has not lived up to. And he pulls it off in game five. Here's my question. What is, what should be the confidence level, Sean, that Bob can do this in game six and Bob can do this in game seven. Can he do this two more times and pull off another Sergei Bobrovsky 
uh, slaying the dragon miracle here? I mean, what's the confidence level? I, I the confidence level can't be high because this guy has not been good for th- three years now. In you know, three seasons, uh, four seasons in Florida, he has not lived up to the deal uh, to the point where he gets replaced by Alex Line at the beginning of the series, and and nobody really raises an eyebrow. Nobody says, "Oh my gosh, what a what a controversial yeah. decision!" You know, what's Paul Maurice doing? Everyone just kind of goes, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense," um, and even. For him, when he swapped in later in the series, he didn't really feel like okay. You know, it was. It, I mean, it just felt like a classic coach move of hey, we're gonna we're gonna shake things up because we're down in the series. Um, so I, I don't think the confidence level is high, but can he do it for two games? Yeah, absolutely, he could do it for two games. Um, any goalie can get hot for two games, but especially a guy like this, where we know what his ceiling is from his career. Right? I mean, we've we've seen him. Um, be be an excellent goaltender in this league, and we've seen him be in this exact situation. And it's the kind of thing where, um, you know, he he was he he was good in that game, made a ton of saves, um, did everything they needed him to be. He, he didn't stand on his head. I mean, I don't. Nobody was watching that game thinking this is late nineties Hasek out there. Um, but you know, you go into the game six if. Get halfway through the game, Boston's outplaying them, but they're they're not getting the pucks past him. That's when it it does maybe start to get into your head a little bit. And obviously, you know, it, it's a cliche, but it's true. You 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 take that series back to Boston for a game seven, anything can happen in a game seven. Oh yeah. Like this is this is getting a little bit of those David Volick vibes right now, where you're sort of like, okay, you know what? This a lot of weird things can happen. And um yeah, full credit to Florida. And uh, nobody none of us thought they were going deep into this series and uh here they are they're making it happen man like i want like who's the who's the david volick <laughs> uh, on question. this team yeah i'm not sure because yeah david volick was like, a decent player he wasn't he was uh, is it like anton lundell yes uh, you know what i'll go with that that's is that uh, is that the guy that's yeah sure that, that can be our pick <laughs> that's our david volick um congratulations yeah, so, like, yeah it's gonna be yeah, it's going to be interesting that you know they they got Bob Bobrovsky kind of going here. Um, this is weird too. Like like we're sitting here having this conversation on Thursday morning, and none of the first round series have wrapped up. Like mm-hmm. you know, Toronto Tampa obviously could potentially wrap up in a game five, but everything else we're seeing going to at least a game six. And everyone who was down three uh, one, you know, the Islanders and the Panthers, they kind of fought back to stay alive. As we sit here today, and you look at the landscape. How many game sevens do you think we're going to end up with? Realistically, what's the maximum yeah. number a game? Like, obviously, as a as a as a fan, I know you wouldn't want that number to be eight. That's right. Uh, everybody you, wants it it everybody seven. wants seven game sevens, unless your team's yeah. already lost three games, in which you're yeah. you're grudgingly accepting the. Eight. I, I mean, I'll go down the list. Um, Seattle, I I, I still see that one. Maybe go on seven. Dallas, Minnesota has felt like seven all the way. I don't see it in Vegas, Winnipeg. I think Edm- I, th- I think LA had their shot at Edmonton in game four and and wasn't able to finish the job. Oh, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, Devils, Rangers has felt like seven the whole way. Did, did you, even when it was two nothing Rangers, you felt like that well, was a seven you know, game? Well, I, I, I guess I should I say know. from the beginning. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. When it was two nothing Rangers, we were sort of thinking, yeah. boy, and they won on the road, right? Yeah. They won yeah, those yeah. two games on the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, but I mean, that gives us, that gives us three out of the eight. And, and I'll say, 
I mean, I'll say at least one more of the series that maybe we're not thinking surprises. Let's go four out of eight. I would take that. Yeah. Listen, four out of eight is uh, is is great. And and, and if ever how weird off, will like- it be if if the Leafs finish the job tonight that they would be the first Ho- team through home and cooled like yeah just waiting back. for everyone else going come on guys what's uh what's the hold rush That's, yeah yeah and, and, then, and then you're gonna see the plethora of columns from like myrtle and uh seagull and whoever well, maybe even you whoever like Probably. just looking <laughs> looking at is is this too much time? <laughs> too much rest are they getting time? rusty is is this well, we've never seen this for Toronto, they've never. You know what's going to be awkward is if they, games. you know, if they win tonight and then you know they've got and then like the media shows up on Saturday and they're like packing up lockers and stuff and everything. They're like, no, 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 you, you, it keeps going now. You guys get to go. There's another round. You play <laughs> yeah. like a new team and they got to like, oh, Matthews and Marner be all confused. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? Like, that's uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll be a tough one. But it's <laughs> it's the learning experience, right? Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be. Uh, unbelievable if they could pull this. You know, I was thinking about this too in terms of Toronto uh, being like, just to give the listeners to paint a picture of how long it's been since Toronto won a playoff series. I was thinking about this today, okay? Because when Toronto won their last playoff series, it was against Ottawa and I was a very, uh, I was a, I'm going to call myself a cub reporter. I was a young okay. reporter at the time, the early 2000s, but I was working for Sportsnet. I covered that game seven. Toronto and in uh, and, and Ottawa, that that was the Joe Newendike, Patty Laleem uh, game, mm-hmm. and I came home and and I remember because thinking you know I got the spring ahead of me, and our uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. Okay, so just to, okay. to paint the picture, uh, later today I will be picking that child up from university to bring her home. Oof! Like think about that. <laughs> yeah. So the last time the Leafs won wow. a playoff series, oh, uh, she was in utero, and I'll be picking her up. From university today, maybe this is all like a like maybe this is this is the key. Like this is me it. picking her up. She's the so, one. She's the chosen. She's one. She's the chosen That's, one. Uh, yeah. That could be it right there. It's uh, I mean it's been a long time. I think it was uh it was Sean Fitzgerald was he he found like the the newspaper the last time the Leafs won a series and he was like tweeting out some of the ads and it was like a flip phone and it was like it can take pictures. <laughs> it was, like, that was the phone. big deal. Like. Like nobody's ever like, you know, like shot video on their cell phone of the Leafs winning a playoff series. Nobody has no. ever been like, hey, the Leafs won tonight. I didn't, oh, I didn't get to watch a game. I'll go on YouTube and uh, and check yeah. out the highlights. Like that has never happened. And There's it hasn't no high def TV, right? In What's that? Like the te- television wasn't in high definition, right? I At don't think point? it was. No, no. no? Not, uh, yeah. I don't it think was, so. Uh, it, boy, it's, it's been a while. May still be a while. Nothing's yeah. over yet. Anyway, so that so that kind of made me feel a little bit old, and uh, w- in terms of uh, thinking about the the Leafs playoff drought in that manner, that you know, our, our daughter, I'm about to pick her up from university later today and bring her home for residence. Uh, but this really hit me in the feels, and it was your column today: the old guys without a cup. Now every year oh, you yeah. do this. Hey, who who's the kind of the the, the plucky veteran that? You know what? This grizzled guy, we gotta, we should all cheer for him. And every year it's been Jumbo Joe and it's Patty Marlowe and it's, you know, the usual cast of characters. Mm-hmm. We have a new entry this year, and this one really hit me in the feels and made me nothing has made me feel older than reading that Jordan Eberly. Yeah. Baby face Jordan Eberly is now on the old guys without a Stanley Cup list. What the hell is this? Yeah, I know. And this is but, this is 
look, it's this, this is not a subjective thing. I've had the the same rules for this column every year. It's you got to be at least a decade in the league, and you got to be at least thirty three years old by the time the the playoffs are going to end. And every year you look at it, and there's there's somebody on that list that you go, oh man, that's, uh, uh, that's and and I don't know how Jordan Eberle like two years ago scored that World Juniors goal, and now yeah. he's already thirty three. I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's some yeah. birth certificate scandal that he got on that team. I don't know, but. He's the Danny Almonte of Yeah. The, he's still roommates with Taylor Hall, right? They're still like trying to figure out how to make their uh their mac and cheese and uh and yet Magnus somehow Magnus Pay is in there too. Yeah, sure. It's you know the future and uh it's still 2010. And he's somehow an old guy without oh, a cup. Man. Uh man, it's it's not there's a few of them. Like Jared Spurgeon's on the list. Have you seen a photo of this guy? You look up any photo of Jared Spurgeon and try to figure out what year in his career. He had he looks exactly the same. From so, his draft photo all the way through, um, he's on there. So, so does Everly. Just, right? Yeah, Everly, Everly has like a little bit of that baby face, a little bit, no? Yeah, a like, little kinda? bit. I mean, and it, it look, I mean, stuff like this, you know, especially for for guys like us, it, this this kills me because you're talking about a 33 year old being old, and but in hockey, especially yeah. now, yeah, that does make you old. I mean, Wayne Simmons is 34, and you know, this this feels like maybe this is it for Wayne Simmons, but. Uh, you never know. Somebody just tweeted me that, that uh, John Tavares next year will qualify for the uh, old guy list. Um, it's it's uh, it's pretty wild how uh, how it goes, but I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. Fast. Yeah. So wait. Luckily, we're in, the, then- we're in the sports media business where uh, you know we we still get to be young guys uh, in in this business. But boy, hockey, thirty three and year old. So wow. Tough. So if John if John Tavares qualifies. Next year, then I, I, I guess that would like Matt Duchesne would be on that list. Then no, they were the same draft year. They would uh, yep. in 09, right? With they, uh, with they I would imagine they would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Holy cow! And, and why did you pick? By the way, what like thirty three? Is it just like an arbitrary? Not like how'd you settle on thirty three? It, it, it probably was one year when I sat down to do it. That was the age I needed it to be to get the people <laughs> that I wanted <laughs> to write about on the list or to get enough <laughs> people. True. And it just it just sort of yeah. stuck. And it's like I mean I've changed the rules. Up, uh, it's it. Anything I do is not exactly uh, the the most scientific uh, method, but uh, you know that was that was where it wound up. I mean, you can be thirty three years old and have fifteen seasons in this league. That's uh, you know, it's a long time. And and I know you know, there's people out there who are still you know, especially if they're older like us, you're you're still kind of maybe stuck in that like two thousand two Red Wings mindset where you're like, no, no, that thirty three is not old. Thirty thirty eight, thirty nine. There's I mean, Mark Jordan was the oldest skater in the league. He's 39. There's not a single guy in in the league uh, at skater over the age of 40 this year. Um, it's a young man's league, so I don't know. I mean, if anything, I might have to move the uh, move the age cutoff down. Yeah, and it's wild too because when you think of Wayne Simmons, and maybe it's the way that Wayne played the game, like he, you're not shocked to hear that Wayne Simmons is 34. In fact, you'd probably think, ah, oh, he's probably older than 34, right? But he's got a lot of hard miles on him. Yep. But you're telling so what you're telling me is that Jordan Everly is one year younger than Wayne Simmons? Is that right? I think that so. doesn't that doesn't feel right to me. I think they're within. Yeah, because well, because because Simmons only we was drafted. Simmons uh, Everly was drafted 2009. Am I right? Wasn't he the 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 year before they got the three first round picks? Because he was a late first rounder. Um, or maybe he was. Maybe they had two two picks one year. And and Simmons, I want to say 2011. So that could, depending on how it, uh, they could, 
they could be uh, so within so a year. What do you got? Jordan Eberle, Jordan Eberle was born on May 15th, 1990. Okay? So May 15th, Wait. 1990. And Wayne Simmons was born August, August 26, 1988. Okay. So, oh, okay, almost two years difference. Okay, that makes yeah. me feel better because I feel like does it in my mind? I feel like there's a bigger gap than one year. But yeah, I mean, some go. of it uh, obviously is is just again, it's the playing style. It's you know, the fifteen Wayne Simmons years or fourteen Wayne is is that adds up to a lot more than uh, uh, than a lot would. But uh, boy, yeah. that is that is something. You know what else happened May fifteenth, nineteen ninety? Oh this, Wait, wait is this playoff one. related? Gonna make everybody feel old because they just that game that Stanley one Cup? of Stanley the Cup Stanley Final? Cup final, the last time the Oilers won a Stanley Cup. And was that the no 1988 was the year where the, the power went out, right? Yeah, uh, this was 1990. the 1990, the Mark Messier year. The last year they no, won. The, the, so, the so this is the anniversary. One. That is the anniversary in 1990. Uh that's Peter Klima, triple overtime. You're right. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. So there you go. Talk there about go. Uh, how how did you how, how did we not think that Jordan Everly was going to be an Edmonton Oiler with that sort of, uh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's all perfect. Yeah, lineage born on the day of Peter Klima's triple OT, mm-hmm. triple OT winner. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Sean, time to bring in our guy, Jesse Granger, for Granger Things, brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner with us at The Athletic. So, Jesse, my man, I had a chance to listen to some of the Wednesday pod. Uh, We had, uh, you traded Russo for Rutherford. Fun show. I I listened to about half of it. Didn't get get to the rapid fire and all that stuff. But um, I know you said you had fun in Winnipeg. You didn't have fun traveling because the traveling (laughs) was a bit of a, a nightmare. But I may have missed this, and Sean and I need to know: Did you did you hit either Boston Pizza or Swiss Chalet? I did in not, unfortunately. It was oh. cold as hell in Winnipeg. Let me first say that thirty degrees. Um, I don't uh, zero Celsius, zero okay. degrees. What is going on? It was ninety degrees when I left Vegas. Uh, landed there, it was zero, and I, my hotel was right next to the arena, so I didn't leave that like. 800 foot area um, for, for pretty much the time I was in Winnipeg. A lot of brown social house across the street from uh, the arena. There so, it is. no, I did, oh. did you Did you it. say that to any Winnipeg people that you thought it was cold as hell when it was zero? 
because they they would have t- they would have given you some stories about what cold is to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did mention it to somebody in the arena, and they just like yeah. laughed. Like <laughs> somebody somebody out on the street wearing a t shirt is uh, going, "Oh yeah, yeah all right. I think right. I found the Ve- well, I think I found the Vegas guy." Right. Well, that's the other thing. So they had the whiteout outside, and like everyone from Vegas, not just me, but like all the media, were up there. We're looking like, wait a minute. These people are going to be outside for five hours. Like, how are they going to survive? I honestly don't think I could do it. I like not like I don't want to do it. I think mm-hmm. my body would shut down in the street. Um, very impressive. You know, but, but toughness. on the on the flip side, though, I think a lot of us would go to the the heat that you get sometimes in Vegas, where it's you know one ten, one fifteen, right, which is forty plus Celsius. And some of us think like I don't think I could handle that for five hours. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, I've gotten used to it here. I love the even even people in Vegas. Uh, a lot of people don't like it when it's one ten. I love it. Um, I I I'd take one ten every day. Strange guy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I I gotta ask you this because you've covered this series. You were in Winnipeg. Uh, clearly didn't take our restaurant recommendations to Swiss Chalet, but hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's for another another day. Might be going uh, back tomorrow. So that's true. Yeah, well, there, you go. there you go. Okay, we want a picture of you. Text us the picture of you with some uh, Swiss chalet sauce. But tell tell us how much of a factor in this year, like Laurent Brassois, who was obviously uh, the backup to Connor Hellebuck for a couple of years, is kind of outplaying his his old uh, his old counterpart. Like, how much of a factor is that in this series that the goaltending? Because I think we all thought that was going to be the definitive edge for the Jets. Yeah, I mean it's been huge. Um, you mentioned he was Connor Hellebuck's backup. Uh, the fans in Winnipeg reminded him over yes. and over and over mm-hmm. that he was his backup. Um, Brassois has been good. I wouldn't say he's been excellent or spectacular, but to be honest, that's kind of what the Golden Knights have asked from their goalies all year long. Like they they keep all the shots to the outside. They don't allow much high danger, and they just ask the goalie to stop the ones he should. And we're probably going to win on most nights, and and he has done that. Um, I think where the goaltending matchup has been where it's been the most crucial is Connor Hellebuck hasn't been very good. Um, I love Connor Hellebuck's game going into this series. I picked uh, Vegas four to two. I said it might go seven games and I think it's going to be because Connor Hellebuck steals a game or two here or there. Um, he just hasn't, I don't know what it is going on with him. He just doesn't look himself. He doesn't look set on some shots. He's kind of looked off balance. It's not just the shots that are going in. Like he, he just has not looked sharp at all. There was a little stretch in game four where uh, the Golden Knights had a power play and he made like five huge saves. And I was like, oh, here it is. Like he, he finally found it. Uh, Golden Knights might be in some trouble here. But then five minutes later, they scored on him and he didn't look the same after that. So I'm not sure if it's, I mean, you got to give the Golden Knights some credit. They're obviously keeping him off balance. They're moving him around a lot. They're they're not letting him get comfortable, but he certainly hasn't been um, what the Jets needed in, in order to beat Vegas. Obviously, they've got a lot of injuries now, so that team is not even, I mean, with Morrissey and Shifley both out, they're not even what they were to get the eight seed in the West. Um, they were going to need an A-plus series from Connor Hellebuck to, to make this a long series with Vegas, and... I think they've gotten his C game so far. Um, he's still there. It's it's only three one. He's still got a chance to to maybe rectify that and have some big games down the stretch here. But yeah, I think the goaltending matchup. Uh, Brassois has been better, um, not so much because Brassois has stood on his head, but just he's been making all the saves he should. While Hellebuck hasn't been as good. And, and is there anything about what the Knights are doing with Hellebuck? Because in in the Toronto series, there's been all this talk about Andre Vasilevsky hasn't been good, and it's it's. For the last 72 hours, it's been the long shots that this apparently has always secretly been his kryptonite. 
and uh, that uh, he, he doesn't deal well with screens. He doesn't deal well with the, the long shots and the tips and all of that. And you, we've seen a ton of that. The, the Leafs certainly seem to be trying to. It, it sounds insane when you're talking about Andre Vasilevsky to say just any shot on net is a good shot. But that's how it feels right now. Is there is there something like that 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 seems to be happening? That has Vegas figured something out? Um, is there a book on Connor Hellebuck, or is it just hey, you know, we always talk this time of year goalies can get hot. Sometimes they go cold too. Yeah, I I don't think. I mean, there have been some tips um, and some screens in front. And to be honest, like Vasilevsky, like that's every goalie's weakness when they're hot is because when you're feeling confident, you see the puck, you're going to stop it, right? And like. Those screenshots, those deflections, it's almost like it's hard to feel confident you're going to stop it because you don't see it or or it's deflecting right in front of you. You kind of just have to have good positioning. There are goalies who are better at it than others, but it's not a you're not very certain when you're making those saves, right? You're just like hoping I'm in the right spot and it hits me. Um, the Golden Knights haven't done a ton of that to Hellebuck. They've scored in a lot of different ways. Um, they've he just yeah, I think it's just a case of like I I don't know about cold because he hasn't been terrible. He just hasn't been his spectacular self that you kind of expected out of him. Um, and I think he's I, I think maybe he's trying to press a little bit as the series has gone on. He hasn't made some of the saves he wanted to, so he's coming a little further out. There was a play in Game Four where Mark Stone drug him like all the way out of his crease and then fed it back side to to Brett Howden for, and Howden ended up missing the wide open net, but it was like, wow, you don't see a goalie get fooled like that very often, especially one as good as Hellebuck. So yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's pressing a little bit, um, which he kind of has to, his team's down three to one and and they're really counting on him with two of their best players out. So as we, we bounce around, like uh, Vegas has pushed Winnipeg to the brink of elimination. And Sean and I talked earlier, Toronto's done that to, to Tampa. And then you have a whole bunch of series that are at three, two that, you know, Carolina's got a chance to close out. Boston, Dallas, Seattle, that's a bit of a surprise. Uh, let, let's bounce around here and and uh, maybe maybe what we need to do is look at this from the vantage point of the teams that are trailing 3-2. Like, which of those teams, Panthers, Islanders, uh, you know, Minnesota, Colorado, like who, who legit has a chance to maybe come back here and, and win two games and, and, and move on to round two? Yeah, I was with all these series at three two. I was interested. I'm, I like to do this with the odds where I, I kind of make a prediction in my head. Okay, wh- wh- which teams do I think will have the closest odds? And then you go look, and um, it kind of matched reality. But I was surprised by some other ones. Uh, for me, when I look at these teams that can come back, the Islanders stick out to me. Um, and for one, I don't think Carolina has been as impressive as as I had hoped they would look. Um, I picked them to win the the cup before all the injuries all season long. Um, I changed that pick once once they kind of got banged up, but I still thought they were going to be a really good team. What's interesting to me is the Islanders, kind of like I mentioned with Hellebuck, I thought that they, Sorokin was going to have to steal games for them, but they've actually had the expected goals advantage in this series over Carolina. Carolina has outshot them because the Hurricanes fire a crazy number of shots from the point. That's just kind of what they've been forever. But when you look at high danger chances, the Islanders have the advantage. And they've so they've got the advantage in expected goals, high danger chances. They're controlling the the dangerous chances in this series, and they should have a huge goalie advantage. I don't think Sorokin has played to his to his caliber yet. Right. Um, I think he's still got a lot to give. So when I look at that series, um, the Islanders are plus three hundred to win the series, so three to one odds. Um, they are not the the closest series. There, um, <laughs> we can talk about it in a second. But the Avs are have crazy odds, even though they're down three to two. But yeah, I. Really like the Islanders. I think that they they they've been the better team in the underlying stats. 
they've got the better goalie who who can who can play better than he has. Um, I think, and they looked good in that last game. I think the Islanders, despite being down a game, needing to win these next two, I think the Islanders are in really, really good shape. Yeah, and, um, and do you think, like, do you guys think, like, going back home for game six, that almost feels like, hey, listen, we got the energy. We got nothing to lose. We're going to play with the kind of, with, with a little bit of energy, nothing to lose, got the fans behind us, take it to a game seven. That, like, going back and... That 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 fan base in in New York is fantastic, and I and mm-hmm. I I see your point, Jesse. I could see them winning a game six, and then you go home, to a game seven, right? and it's you know we we hear all year long, right? Like oh, home ice, you know, you, you play the whole regular season to get game seven on home ice, but then by the time you get to a game seven, it never feels like home ice really matters, and especially right. if it's a three one series where now you've lost two. I mean, it's that's going to be a nervous building, all the injuries and everything. Uh, you, you made a good case. You're selling me a little bit on the Islanders here. And and yeah, if it and does get to a game seven, I mean, home ice, but also like, would you rather have Antti Ranta or Ilya Sorokin mm-hmm. back there for, for a big game seven? I mean, there's a lot to like with the Islanders. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the Avalanche and uh, I, I, Sean and I were talking earlier. The Seattle Kraken, I think, are the best feel-good story of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're just this underdog team on a little bit of a magic carpet ride. I mean, who's not pulling for them? If you listen, if you're a Colorado fan, obviously you're not. But I, I feel like everybody else is kind of thinking this would be a great story. Um, but is there a smart play here on Colorado to say, ah, they're the champs? We're going to get Macar back for Game Six. Just hold your horses here. Like maybe, maybe Colorado is still the favorite in the series. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think you'd have to be crazy to bet on Colorado at this point. The odds are heavily in the avalanche favor i mean they're still plus money because they're really? down three to two but for them to be for them to need to win two straight games against a team that they've been outplayed by in a lot of these games um they're only plus 150 so you're you're barely getting one and one and a half to one odds um seattle's only minus 185 needing just mm. one win for me so like i've been saying all year the avalanche are going to turn it on when the playoffs get here but man, the more I watch this series, and I, and to be fair, I haven't watched every game because they're always on at the same time as the Golden Knights, so I am usually catching highlights and, and trying to watch the, the recap after. But you look at the, the Avs roster, and they're so thin. They're just not as deep as they were last year. Like You look at their third line. It's Ben Myers, Lars Eller, Dennis Malgan. They've got JT Comfer centering their second line. They're banged up. They're not as deep. And then you look at Seattle, and they don't have the stars, but... It feels like the Kraken are rolling out four second lines right now. I mean, that that team is so deep. They're pressuring the Avs. I think they're... I, I'm not writing the Avalanche off, but at only plus 180... Or sorry, at only plus 150 and minus 185 for Seattle, I think that is a a crazy line for that series. Like that, I thought you'd be able to get more, more than plus 150 with Colorado with the way things have gone. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I, I mean, I like... I still like Colorado... To win, to to go to Game Seven, even to win the series, Kale McCarr coming back, all all, the, all these things. I'm not going anywhere near that number. If you're you're talking about a, a team that's that's got to win too. I mean, remember if you know just to, to put it in context for people, if if you think it's it's an exact even series, you think a team's fifty fifty and they got to win two games in a row, that should be a one in four chance. You should be getting right. four to one odds. So if you're you know if you're getting less than that, that means you think this team is is uh, you know more likely than a coin flip in each of those games, and obviously the you know the books aren't going to give you those full 
um, the full odds, but uh, you got to you got to pick and choose there. One fifty? No way. Not not. Uh, I I will. Uh, if anything, I would I would probably just go and say, you know what? If if I feel that confident, I'll I'll go put some money on just game six. Because right. I mean, the odds can't be that much worse for uh, for just a game six, and then you know I'm not I, I'm not worried about a game seven um, scenario as much. That's that's nuts to me. I I figured that they would have swayed a little bit more in uh, Seattle's favor. And I, you're right. I, I don't know that I would uh, I would touch that. Uh, you know, one other series I want to hit on here uh, with you is Boston, Florida, and uh, we know that you're a big goalie guy. I mean, should we put some faith in Bob doing this again? And again, and maybe Florida can come back from from three two. Man, that was some vintage Bob last night. I was so excited watching it. I man, I I just I love watching Sergei Bobrovsky. I watched way too many Columbus Blue Jackets games over the years, uh, probably more than anyone that's not a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, just because I like watching him play. And it's been a while since we've seen a game like that from him. Uh, that stop on Marshand on the the last oh. second breakaway was so awesome. Having said that, the Bruins are pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be putting any money on the Panthers, but if you look at them, so um, we mentioned Colorado is, has the best odds to come back. Uh, New York is second. Minnesota is third with plus 350. Um, Florida is fourth at plus 550. Well, And the Kings Kings are right there with them at plus 550. So mm. the the odds tell you the the Panthers and Kings have the same chances of coming back in their series, and those are the two least likely uh, down 3-2 to come back. Um, despite a pretty good game by Florida, um, I thought that Boston was the better team in that game too. So you're, you're really going to have to, to get a big performance out of Bobrovsky. But I mean, if any, if anybody can do it, I guess it's Sergey. He, he was awesome last night. Boy, I I'm surprised that the Kings are lumped in there with, the I and, and I say this as a guy, I picked the Oilers to win the Stanley cup, let alone the series. So, um, I'm, I'm, I think the Oilers are winning this series. I, I think we said in the, in the first segment, you know, I'm that I feel like LA missed their chance with that comeback and the overtime loss. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that one ends in six. But yeah, game six in LA, they've beat them twice. They've shown, you know, they had an overtime loss. Send it back to over uh, to game seven. Hey, boy, five fifty, same as the Panthers. That that right. strikes me as as a little bit odd. Not only is it the same as the Panthers, but actually Edmonton's odds are are minus nine hundred. Um, whereas Boston is only minus 800. So according to the odds, the Oilers are the most likely team to win up three to two, which I agree with you is a bit surprising mm. with how close those games have been. Well, I mean, it's go it's, to back to game four and it was yeah. three, nothing LA. They like, were almost up three, one. <laughs> yes. If Boy, not, yeah, for that's, that's a t- I mean, Edmonton's a great team, but Boston's a great team and LA is a better team than Florida this year right. in my mind. So Boy, that's that's one, that one's a little tough to figure. But is that is part of that? Now let me think about how this is working. Uh, Florida's going home for Game Six, right? No, but yeah. LA is going home for Game Six. They both are, yes. Yeah, and I mean, so I, I suspect for- some of this, right? Is there's there's probably uh, Edmonton's a big Canadian market, probably maybe getting a little more action coming in on them oh. um, versus at the other end of the spectrum, maybe not a lot of Panthers fans pouring. Uh, Pouring money into this thing, so I mean that can tilt it a little bit, but little, a little. Edmonton is minus one seventy five um, to win in LA, so pretty big favorite um, to yeah. win. That's big. They're a bigger favorite to win in LA than Colorado is to win in Seattle for Game Six. So, um, just kind of shows you uh, 
whether it's money going on the Oilers or just the public, the, the, the odds makers thinking that if we don't make the Oilers a massive favorite, everyone, that's probably what it is. It's You mentioned the Canadian market, but it's also Connor McDavid. And the casual fan who isn't super into these games, couldn't tell you who the third line is for the Kings. He says, Connor McDavid, he sees that he's only minus 110, say it's even 110 each way. They're, that person's putting money on Connor McDavid every single time. So it could be them protecting themselves against, if we don't make this line a little overinflated, money's just going to pour in on on the Oilers. Yeah, that's fair. That, yeah. That, 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 makes, uh, that makes sense. Listen, Jesse, appreciate the, uh, the visit. I know you got a... Uh, Big day ahead with uh, a potential clinching game for uh, for Vegas as uh, you get set for that one. So I know you got to cut loose, cover the morning skates and all that fun stuff. But we appreciate you getting up uh, early, hitting us up on the uh, the Thursday pod, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Awesome, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Right on, and bundle up if you got to go back to Winnipeg. <laughs> we'll do. Don't just ride the index; seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com/slash/active-ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, member NYSE SIPC. All right, great stuff with Granger. Super disappointed that he didn't uh, hit up Swiss Chalet. Um, but we actually have some, believe it or not, Sean, we have some Swiss Chalet related Multiple comments. Multiple uh, Comments in the, uh, in the email. So a reminder, you can get us at theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. So last week we talked to... Uh, to Granger about you got to hit this rotisserie chicken restaurant that we have on this side of the border. It's called Swiss Chalet. But there's also another place called St. Hubert, and it's kind of like a fun rivalry. St. Hubert is kind of in the eastern part of the country. Well, Greg uh, writes in and says, uh, you guys need to know, both, oh, uh, Greg, who we got? Greg and Vincent, both of them writing yeah. in, guys, you need to know that the parent company that owns Swiss Chalet, Kara uh, Foods, actually bought St. Hubert in 2016. I remember, this is from Vincent, I remember that during the acquisition, they said they wanted to take advantage of the expertise developed by St. Hubert. I admit I've never been to a Swiss chalet, but the Quebecer in me suspects they may have taken over the St. Hubert sauce, which is iconic here in Quebec. Anyway, keep up the good work. Sorry, Sean, as a Habs fan, I hope the Leafs are out by the time you guys record again next Thursday. So there you go. A little, uh, turns out. Appreciate the honesty. So, yeah. okay. So Swiss Chalet here's owns St. Hubert. I didn't know that. And I'm, I'm a little bit shocked at that. That is kind of yeah. like the Leafs buying the Habs or, or something like that. I knew that they had this parent company that owned all sorts of different places and they kind of mix and match them sometimes. I will say this. Um, I've, I've had my share of St. Hubert. I used to work with French people. So, you know, you'd, you'd sit there and go, hey, guys, why don't we get some Swiss Chalet for lunch? And they go, oh, yeah, right. And they'd take your order and then it would arrive and it would be St. Hubert because, uh, you know, they, they, were, yeah. they were loyal. So I've had some, some St. Hubert. I've had the St. Hubert sauce. It's very good. It's not the same as the Swiss Chalet sauce. And they didn't change the Swiss Chalet sauce anytime recently. I can, I can tell you that. I'd be shocked to find out that they they were messing with that. So both both places very good. Both have their own sauce, but it's 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 different. I'm I'm 99 sure that they didn't they didn't mess with them. 
99% sure. But it's funny. I also didn't know that uh, Swiss Chalet owned uh, Saint Hubert. It's like, were you a, whenever you were a kid, and you and I grew up in the same time, kind of eighties, nineties, pre-internet days. But mm-hmm. like there, people would say things like, you know, that Coke and Pepsi are owned by the same company, or like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there would always be crazy rumors like that. Like, <laughs> did you ever hear that one when you were a kid? That someone you was didn't. like, Coke and Pepsi are owned by the same company. I don't know if I heard, but I remember like you know somebody saying like you know Seven Up and. Is it Seven Up and Coke or Seven Up and Pepsi? Whatever the combo is, and and just be Seven like, Up is with Pepsi, right? And Sprite is with Coke. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're blowing my yeah. mind right now. This is, uh, yeah. this is crazy. And then the, if it didn't have like the same, like the 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 brand right on it, like Hostess was a you know the good one back then, right? It was just it was on everything. You're like, okay, I know what I'm getting here. But uh, yeah, those those other ones were uh, that 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 got confusing. Yeah, Hostess got taken over by Frito Lay, right? In Canada, yeah. isn't Frito Lay like the I miss big those chip? little uh, little munchy dudes, right? Like they're you don't <sighs> find that anymore. cartoon characters. Yeah. Back in the day, man, that was uh, that was the go to. Uh, Aaron in Brooklyn writes in via email, and Sean uh, had an article this week uh, talking about you, every team in the NHL. What's your best postseason run that didn't end in the Stanley Cup? So Aaron's got a question uh, uh, for us. Got me thinking. Would you rather have 30 years of your favorite team, A, being a powerhouse, they're fun to watch, they're always a Stanley Cup contender, but they never win, or B, in that 30-year span, you miss the playoffs 29 times, but in the one year you make it, you win the Stanley Cup. So Aaron has a, would you rather your team's a consistent yeah. powerhouse for a couple decades, never win, or you win the one time? What See, is it for you? And, 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 you know, assuming that in this situation, I don't know which one I picked. So, you know, if you're not going into every playoffs thing and, well, I know they're not going to win the cup. Uh, you, you've, you've always got that little bit of hope. Man, I, I, I'm tempted to say, give me the cup within a certain range. But 30 years, I mean, 29 years, years with no playoffs, I feel like that would, uh, I mean... Geez, the the nineteen years without a playoff series win has has drained a lot of my uh, uh, you know excitement uh, for the Leafs. Uh, I, I can only imagine no playoffs twenty nine to thirty years. But if you squeeze the window down a little bit, it's interesting. Like it's kind of like saying, you know, in in the first decade of of the cap, would you rather have been the San Jose Sharks or the Carolina Hurricane? Right, because they Carolina wins the cup. They missed, I think, the two years before, almost a decade after. Um, there was like one year they made the playoffs and they went to the conference final. So like every year they made the playoffs, they had a big run, but then they would miss a bunch of times versus San Jose every year, um, almost every year going deep, had a trip to the final, but you know, all these, these heartbreaking ways to lose. Um, man, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, at a, at a certain point, yeah, you'll take the cup, but I, I, you know, I wrote that piece because it, it just, it really bugs me when people take this view that like, hey, if your team doesn't win the cup, season was a failure. Season was, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't, you know, if you tell somebody, oh boy, those 93 Leafs, man, I love that team. Oh, they didn't even make the final. So what? I had the best time as a hockey fan watching that team. And I feel like every NHL team has a couple of those seasons where, no, they didn't win the cup. Maybe they didn't even go to the final. Maybe they didn't even go all that deep. But it was a great run, and it was, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. And we need to celebrate that because otherwise, you've got a league, an entertainment product, 
where your value with proposition is, hey, come watch the NHL. 97% of you will be miserable every year. Like, who's going to sign up for that? And uh, it, and it's interesting because just last night, I don't know, if did you see the Yanis uh, uh, after the uh, yeah, uh, the, NBA, the, right? The, that he press was conference asked. was Phenomenal. Yeah. The, like, what the a, star player answer. for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was number yeah. one. Uh, they were the number one seed and they got upset in the first round, which is very rare in basketball. And uh, a reporter asked him, like, is your season a failure? And he did this very eloquent answer about how, like, no, it's not a failure. You don't win every year. You, you know, it's it's a process and, and all of this stuff. Really interesting stuff and, and kind of hitting on some of the same ground. I can only conclude that he must have read my piece and he was inspired by it. That's and, right. And that's where, I mean, he forgot to mention me by name, but that's, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's always good to, to learn about a new reader. Yeah. Giannis, uh, Giannis A in the, in the comment section. That's right. Look for yeah. Uh, was there, was there one fan base out of that, uh, uh, your column and you, you kind of went through every team and said, okay, mm -hmm. here's your, here's your most fun, uh, playoff run. And I know you had a hard time, like team like the Habs, right? You're like, you know, got such a rich history that, that you know, the Halak run in 2010, like, mm -hmm. you know, you had, to, you had to pick one from, from every fan base. Was there one fan base where like, Hey man, you got it wrong. It was actually this, this um, was our, our th more there were, run. there were quite a few fan bases where they, they would suggest other things. Um, and, and some of that was an age thing. Like for, for the devils, for example, I picked 88, the first year they made the playoffs, John McClain scores and overtime to send them there and they go on, they win two rounds, they get the, they have another donut game and all of that. And I had some Devils fans go, you know, uh, for me, it's more 2012 when they went, made the surprise trip to the final against the Kings. But then again, I'm I'm a little too young to really remember 88 or no, to remember it at all. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Nobody got mad at me because it wasn't really that sort of piece. Like nobody was like, you're an idiot, uh, you know, because even, uh, even the ones I was picking, you know, they, they were still positive memories. But I will tell you the one... And and this is you're just gonna have to take my word for it, but but you mentioned Montreal, right? Yeah. And I said Montreal is a tough one because Montreal, when we were growing up, more than any other team embodied that. Hey, you you either win Cup or bust, yep. or you failed, right? I mean, we yep. this this is what Montreal does. We win championships. We don't do parades for winning around or whatever. We win championships, and you know, obviously, it's been 30 years since then. And I said, you know, you you could go. I went with the Halak year, 2010, and they beat. Uh, uh, Washington, Washington and, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh, two best yeah. players in 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 the league, and uh, with the goaltending, I said, you know, maybe you could do '89 also, where they went to the final. Um, there's there's some other runs, uh, the one where you know Chris Kreider wiped out Carey Price and and that sort of thing. I, as I was writing this, legitimately forgot the 2021 the run. run to the final. Yeah, I didn't mention it. I didn't. There's well, no I honorable why. mention. I wonder why. What maybe this the is first the psychological round that, damage that apparently yeah. has been done to me as a Leaf fan that I yeah. two years ago uh, and I just like did not to the point where I think there were some people in the comments like, did he not mention that? Like, is that a bit? Is he? Is that a joke that he's like acting like that didn't exist? I, it literally did not occur to me to include that as an option. So, um, I don't know. You can figure it out. I guess we all we all deal with difficult times in our own ways. You want to talk about? You know, we, we were talking earlier, we had a hard, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around the fact that Jordan Eberle is the age that he is. Mm -hmm. The fact that two years ago, less than two years ago, the Montreal Canadiens were in the Stanley Cup final, that doesn't yep. feel right at all. No, it does. I mean, like, the, the, that's those two seasons will always feel a little weird and weird. like, but 
Um, cause I was, um, cause I, I did like remember the, um, uh, like for Dallas, I had the, like their 2020 run to the, uh, run to the final in that summer playoff. And I couldn't remember. I was like, there was a game seven overtime and some, somebody scored a hat trick, but I, I can't remember who it was. And so I had to go back and like find it. And I wanted to find the clip and include it. And I'm just watching like those playoff games from the bubble. And it's like, what even was this? What is it, yeah. it looks so it, strange, and it's weird I because know. I remember when they announced they were doing the bubble and, and everything, and and thinking like, "Oh, this is gonna feel so weird to watch," and it did a little bit. But I think we were just all so happy to have hockey back and that they were able to pull it off. But then you go back like two or three years later, now that we have the crowds and everything, and you're just like, "What was that?" Like a guy scoring a game seven overtime, and like you can hear Nobody's like twenty there. people cheering. It was the strangest. It's just so strange, and and yeah, there's going to be uh, maybe it just got blocked out of our our collective memories. I'll go with that instead of the fact that I'm just a a sore loser who uh, can't handle yeah. watching his team blow a three one lead. Okay, a couple of quick uh, other emails. Adrian in Portland writes in on your last podcast. You guys were talking about visors as though they're great protection. However, we still see uh, players getting hurt with sticks going up inside them. Last week, we even saw a skate into the face. My question to you guys is. Why don't NHL players wear goggles? They'd provide way more protection than visors. They would wrap around, they could make a wraparound model that provides full vision. We've got anti-fog features now. So why do players wear visors instead of goggles? And now all I can think about, you remember, you're enough of a baseball fan. Do you remember early 90s Cincinnati yep. Reds, uh, Chris Sabo? Yep. Chris, <laughs> Chris Sabo was a third baseman. I, I think he played third base. Uh, with Cincinnati, and he had the goggles. And like then there was some NBA, like Kurt Rambis, NBA guy. There were a guy. few guys in the NBA who did it. Did, did, why, did, uh, why did Chris Sabo wear... Uh, Chris Sabo oh, had goggles, right? Like he yeah, did. Yeah, but why? Like was there... Was, like he, it, it was like he was like a squash player. Like he was like yeah. running to go play squash right after winning mm -hmm. the World Series. I don't know. I, I, I mean, the answer to why we don't have these is... I, like I've never even seen a hockey player... Wearing at any level anywhere, and well, the Hanson brothers, I guess, right? Were they wait, were those goggles or were those no, prescription they just had glasses? glasses. That was, those those are, are just glasses. like Never big, mind. thick yeah. glasses. And there have been man, you want to talk about something that doesn't age? There, you ever see photos of like NHL players wearing glasses, like in this in the seventies? Like you see, there's like a handful of guys Al skating Arbor. around. Al Arbor, Al was, Arbor yeah, wore played. glasses as a player. That's wild. Like, like you imagine somebody just skating out there with. <laughs> You know, don't hit me. I got my glasses on, but uh, I yeah, I can't. I mean, I know we, there's anti there's anti fog, but I, there's no way that the peripheral vision would be good enough. I mean, it, hockey players are very set in their ways. It's uh, it was hard enough to get a lot of these guys to wear visors. I can't imagine doing the goggles. And I used to play squash, not well, but I used to play, and I hated the goggles. Uh, they they bugged me, and um, you know, I was. Well, I wasn't uh, I wasn't working as hard as an NHL player, but I was probably breathing as heavy as an NHL player. So <laughs> yeah. that um, you know, I, the, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great experience. So um, I, I I suspect we got a ways to, we we got a ways to go on the technology, and then we got to convince somebody to actually do it and be the first yeah. one and look ridiculous. Yeah, who's going to be that guy? Uh, two things on that. Uh, uh, first of all, I want our producer Danielle. We need a drop of radioactive man. I know Daniel's a big Simpsons fan. Like, <laughs> my eyes, the goggles do nothing. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. <laughs> and also, 
what I love is we're talking about like Kurt Rambis in the NBA had the the goggles and Chris Sable. Do you remember there was a brief period where Detroit Pistons villain uh, Bill yes. Lambier he had like that that like it was almost oh, like a Phantom of the so Opera weird. clear. <laughs> It's it, like shield. that is that needs to come back because yes. and I know like NBA players sometimes, but I mean to have the villain do it, it was like oh, because I remember like um, better. Brian Marchment too in in the classic villain guy. If he wasn't on your team, there was that time where for a whole year he had the full face mask, like the full on, yep. and it just infuriated people because you're you know you're going like I this this guy. It's it's like in pro wrestling when like the bad guy has a cast on his arm for like three years and he's using it to hit people. Like it's it's perfect villain stuff to get that full face shield uh, up there and uh, and and still you know still be chirping people and playing the same way. That's that's great. Uh, okay, real quick, I'm going to read this one from James in the UK because he's taking the time to uh, to write us from uh, across the pond and he's a huge fan of uh, of the Thursday Pod. Had some really nice things to say about our work together, Sean. And uh, James in the UK said. Uh, was so nice to read or hear you guys read Patrick from Denmark's email last week about how he fell in love with the NHL. Wanted to add a little bit more story of how I fell in love with hockey from Brighton, so over in the UK. Uh, got interested in hockey in my teenage years playing NHL 94 on the mm -hmm. Sega Mega Drive. What you guys would call the Sega Genesis. So I didn't realize they called this thing the Mega Drive over there. I, I think I, I like that, that name true. better. Yeah, I've got I've got a son who's very into video game history, and uh, that's uh, Mega Drive. I think I did know that. Uh, but anyway, uh, the number of people who get in through video games, I tell yes. you, man, that that video game series made more hockey fans than any marketing the NHL ever did. And so uh, James says he fell in love with those mid '90s Penguins, NHL '94. You could pick the Penguins, crush most of the other teams. And I became a Penguins fan. And then by magic, I got hooked on to watching hockey on cable later on. Watching Sid in my late 20s, I'm fully locked in as a Penguins fan for life. In my 40s now with a young son, I'm so lucky that we live in the internet age and he can uh, watch games and sh I can share video and audio with him. He loves Mika Zibanejad and Gritty. So he forces me to watch Rangers highlights and all-star weekend mascot events repeatedly. But here's oh. the thing. Unlike Patrick, I'm lucky to have hooked up a radio stream recorder. I actually listen to games as I'm getting ready in the morning. Um, so that's pretty cool. That is and, pretty, uh, that, all. That whole story is cool, except being a Penguins fan whose son is into gritty. Like that's ooh, that's, and that's the Rangers. Be a little, I mean, the Rangers, Rangers is bad and enough. Gritty. But, yeah, but uh, boy, I don't know the, the Flyers. Boy, that's that's tricky. But hey, we've you know. Parenting's tough. I've, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap it up a little this week in hockey history. Two quick ones for you here. Uh, let's go back to April 27, 1994. Dominic Hasek with a 70, that's right, 70, 7-0, 70 save performance in quadruple overtime to outduel uh, Marty Brodeur and the Devils, force a game seven in that series. Is that the greatest goaltending duel of all time? Just given the stakes, given the goalies, yeah. All like I, if you I think to, it is. I, there, I'm, yeah, I'm I think sure so, there right? are. There are probably. Well, I, I, actually, I shouldn't. I was going to say there's probably one nothing games with more shots. Maybe not. But the fact that it's Hashik Broder is just uh, absolutely perfect. Was that the Was that the Dave Hannon game? Is he the Dave one Hannon who in quadruple overtime? Hey, yeah, Dave Hannon. When you got the two two of the greatest goalies of all time at the top of their game, it takes it takes a, a generational superstar like Dave Hannon to to crack the code. Yeah. 
and, and you know what? For me, and it's weird because I actually went and looked this up. Like that to me was kind of the Hushik coming out party. Like I know he had played a little bit in the cup final and he was kind of this kind of quirky oddity with, the, with Chicago. But like, I, that's the first time I remember really like, like, wow, this Dominic Hushik guy is legit. But then I went back and realized like he won the Vezina, tro- like he was so good in the regular season that year. He won the Vezina trophy mm-hmm. that year. But it was, like, but it was a weird, cause he had gone from like a literal backup to the point where 92, 93, remember that was the year the Sabres trade for Grant Fearer in the middle of the season. And they give up a ton to get him because they're, we, Hey, we need a goalie. And meanwhile, they have arguably the goat sitting on the bench. Uh, and, and exactly right away the next year, he jumps in and just runs with the job. Um, one of the all time strangest sports stories that, that we'll ever see. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and one other one I want to do real quick. April 25th, 2012. So just 11 years ago, uh, Joel Ward with the overtime winner, Game 7. Washington beats Boston. And I didn't know this until I read this little factoid today. That made Dale Hunter, Sean, the first person in NHL history to have coached a team to a Game 7 overtime win on top of scoring a Game 7 overtime goal himself as a player. He did that, of course, with Washington against Philly in the 80s, 1988, I believe. So did you know? I, I didn't no. know that until I read that. I didn't uh, I didn't know that. I mean, it, it makes sense. There can't be that many guys who've even had the opportunity. But did, and didn't he also have, with with Quebec, was it a, was it a game five back in the game five, five days series against Montreal? Ending. So, I mean, yeah. this guy's Mr. Uh, Mr. Clutch. Clutch. But uh, yeah, that uh, I, I did not know that little factoid. But now I'm trying to think, has anyone scored a Game 7, even gone on to coach, even gone on to, to be in a Game 7? I'm not sure. But, is uh, Stefan Mateau uh, coaching anywhere? Somewhere. Nikolai Borshevsky is going <laughs> to sneak him onto the Leafs bench if we need him. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We'll leave it there. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just I'm gonna throw yep. this um, oh, invitation out to you again. Mm-hmm. If there's a Game 7 on Monday... My door is open. If you feel like you need to change the mojo, the karma. All right. All of that. The door now, is, is that, open. It, is that is your door open the entire time? Like if it's uh you know, if it's game seven and the leaf's down three nothing after one, can I like make yes. the intermission make sprint the over yes. and just make uh, the switch. All right. We'll see. We 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 we'll keep that in mind. Like I said, they lose game five, they win game six in OT. That's I'm feeling Michael that. Bunting. Michael Bunting. I even went very specific. Michael Bunting in game six uh, overtime here. All right, listen. Uh, I don't know how you're going to get through this next, whether it's 24, 48 hours or whatever, but man, try and enjoy it, but I know you can't. I don't. I won't. Not at all. <laughs> you won't at all, but that's what makes it great. All right, listen, this was a, a lot of fun. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Thursday Pod. Uh, as always, you can email us any question to the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months. Visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.